I ask you to remain standing, if you will, please, as we join together in uh, looking at our scripture today, a brief passage from James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Let's read together. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. I encourage you to I encourage you to take that outline in hand as we look at God's word together. By the time the service is over, hopefully we'll have all this figured out. Well, let me just bring you back up to date. We're talking. We're in a series of messages now entitled, It's a Jungle Out There. And that may seem like an odd title for a sermon series, so uh, just a little explanation for that. Uh, so often, it's a crazy world out there. It, it's, uh, it's hectic, it's uh, unsettling in a lot of ways, and sometimes we use that phrase, it's a jungle out there, to describe the chaos in the world. And unfortunately, sometimes that chaos and confusion that jungle makes its way into our families and into our homes, and sometimes life in the family can be kind of crazy and chaotic as well. And so we're, we're looking at uh, four things, predators, if you will, that can jeopardize and create uh, disharmony in the family. And I've discovered that we're talking about some very serious things. And I've discovered that when you've when you, when you got some heavy topics, it's good to inject a little humor. And so uh, we've come up with four metaphors that a little humorous, but at the same time, very important. I got a feeling it's this, right? All right, I'm going to stay right here, okay? <laughs> and I am unplugging this right now. So we've come up with four metaphors, the elephant in the room, the 800-pound gorilla, and then we're going to look at another one this morning. And I have to admit, uh, I didn't want to preach this sermon today. Uh, not because it's not important, it is. Uh, not because I don't believe what we're going to say, I do believe it. But I was reluctant to preach this message because of all the predators we're going to look at, this one comes closest to home for me. And, and I, am, you know, I know myself well enough to know that when, that I get prone. When I get busy, I'm very prone to fall into this metaphor. It's the most prevalent of all the ones we're going to look at. It is the deer in the headlights. Now, let me explain. The deer in the headlights is not a person in your family. It is a condition that sometimes happens in our homes. It, re- it results from a lack of effective communication. Effective communication. You see, the problem is, a lot of times we get very busy. And we're going in a lot of different directions. And in the process, we start focusing in on our own lives, and maybe we don't spend enough time with the others who are living in the house with us. Maybe we're not as conscious as we need to be to know and understand what's going on in their lives. We aren't listening to them very much. We're not as engaged as we ought to be to know what their hurts and struggles are. And one day, that manifests itself in one member of the family having this glazed look this look of bewilderment, this look of confusion. It's the deer in the headlights. 
Sometimes Becky will say to me, now, Stuart, don't forget that next weekend we're going to see the kids. So don't plan anything. And there's this long pause. And I I get this deer-in-the-headlights look. And I don't remember her saying anything about going to see the kids. And I already have some things planned. And she says, you did remember, didn't you? And I stand there and I'm I'm trying to find some graceful way to, to get out of this. And at one point I think, well, maybe I'll just tell her that she's wrong. She never said anything about going to be with the kids, but I've tried that before and it just doesn't work, so I'm not even going there. And... Finally, I, you know, I just, I mumble around for a while and it just, I'm, I'm the deer in the headlights and I don't know what to say or do. Another case of conflict and tension in a home due to lack of effective communication. Has that ever happened to you? Be honest, don't lie, you're in church, you're not supposed to lie in church. The deer in the headlights, we all experience, and a lot of times the deer in the headlights uh, is over minor things. But sometimes, sometimes it's far more serious. You think your marriage is okay. You think everything is fine. And then you come home one day, and your spouse has got the bags packed. And they say, I'm done. It's over. I'm not doing this anymore. Don't come looking for me. This is it. We're through. And you get this deer in the headlights. Look, and you're thinking to yourself, what is happening? Why didn't I see this this coming? And you can't believe what's happening. You don't know what to say. You think your kids are the perfect angels. You can't imagine that they would ever do anything wrong. Certainly they would never do anything stupid like experiment with drugs. And then one day you get the word. Your son, your daughter's been picked up for drug possession. And you get this deer in the headlights experience and You're thinking to yourself, how did I miss the warning signs? How long has this been going on? How did this happen? You thought your marriage was fine. You thought the kids were fine. And and then you realize that you never really talked with one another. You never really spend time with one another. You, you, you were so much into your own life that you were clueless as to what was going on in the hearts and minds and schedules of the rest of the people in the family. At times, this lack of communication 
results in just harmless inconveniences. But sometimes the results are devastating. They result in family-crushing tragedy. And so this topic of, of communication, avoiding those deer-in-the-headlight experiences, is extremely important. And if this is a problem in your home, I want to ask you for the next 30 minutes or however long we've got to give this topic a very high priority. If you and your family are prone to these type of experiences, then now's not the time to be texting on your phone or checking in your Facebook account I know what goes on out there. This is not the time to, while the preacher's preacher preaching, to be looking for typos in the bulletin. This is the time to, to focus in and listen. You see, if you're prone to the deer in the headlight experience, it means that your family is not communicating as effectively as it needs to. It means you're not as aware of, as you need to be of each other's lives. You're not tuned in enough to each other's schedules and worries and concerns. You may all be living under the same roof, but you're living very isolated individual lives that hardly ever intersect. Now, nowhere can you find better wisdom to address this problem than in God's word. And I want to share, I want to expose you this morning to a simple little passage that isn't complicated, isn't difficult to understand. It's pretty simple, it's pretty straightforward. This passage from God's word that if you will understand it and if you will apply it and live it in your life, you can avoid thousands of dollars in family therapy. I'm not suggesting that's not good, but I can save you a lot of hours and a lot of money in family therapy if you'll just listen and comprehend and decide to follow God's wisdom in this little passage. We read it a moment ago. It involves you and I doing certain things. First of all, be quick to listen. Now, on that line, I want you to write in the word quick. You, you put it in bold, you put it in all caps, you circle it, you underline it, you put stars around it, whatever you have to do to draw attention to that word. Be quick to listen. Don't wait five minutes into a conversation to start listening. Listen at, be quick to listen. Give attention to, what, to that other person. Be focused in your listening. Be intentional about it. Be quick to listen. One of the reasons for a lot of the dysfunction in our homes is that we're not very good at doing that. One of the things that drives my wife crazy is that she'll be engaged in a conversation with me, and uh, you know we'll maybe be there in the kitchen and we're talking, and all of a sudden, while she's talking, I, I just start walking around. I don't think anything about it. I'm kind of multitasking, and I'm thinking, well, I can listen anywhere. So I, I start walking around, and before I realize it, I'm in another room in the house, and she's just talking away. And I'm thinking that, you know, I can really comprehend that conversation and be focused if I'm just walking around the house. How nuts is that? That is crazy. That is crazy. Rather than being quick to listen, I'm 
quick to avoid listening when I do that. And when, when James here talks about being quick to listen, he's talking about being focused, being intentional, uh, listen, begin, begin listening at the very moment. Now, guys, I've got to tell you something. Uh, I shared this at 8.30, and uh, some of the guys didn't appreciate this. Uh, some of the wives said, can I get a copy of that? But here's the reality. There's something that we guys do, and we do it. The longer we're married, the more we do it. And we can deny it, but it's, but it's true. You see, ladies, you need to understand that when, when you're talking to us, your husband, we can be in the same room. We can be sitting a few feet away. And you're just talking away, and uh, you might think we're listening. And the reason you might think that is we'll give the occasional nod, you know, like we're following what you're saying. We might even give a facial expression that shows affirmation of what, of what you're saying. But here's the truth. We hadn't heard a word you said. We're already in, we've checked out, we're in some other zone of the deer in the headlights, and if you put a gun to our head and said, all right, tell me what I've been talking about the last 10 minutes, we wouldn't have a clue. We wouldn't know where to start. Now, I'm not proud of that, but that's just the reality. James says, be quick to listen. We often fail to do that. You know, here's a simple tip to kind of help us out here. Several years ago, a fellow wrote a book called, uh, said, the most important things I ever learned, I learned in kindergarten. That is so true. I want you to think back. When you and I were children, we were taught a very simple rule that saved our life probably many, many times when crossing the road. Three little words. You remember what they were? Stop, look, listen. Let me tell you, I think how wonderful it would be. Let's take those three little words and let's bring them back up and let's apply them to our relationships in our family, in the conversations that we have. That changed everything. Stop. In other words, put down the cell phone. Put down the newspaper. Sit down somewhere. Stop. Look. Look the other person in the eye. Make eye contact. Look at face to face. Focus on what it is they're wanting, they're, they're, what they're wanting to, you to hear. And then listen. Take it in. Process it. Focus on what it is they're wanting to communicate. If necessary, ask questions. Now, now I'm hearing you say this. Is that correct? Okay. Stop. Look. Listen. I think that's what James is talking about when he says be quick to listen. A lot of the dysfunction that we experience happens because we don't do that. Matter of fact, um, we do just the opposite. We're slow to listen. Bill Hybels, pastor at Willow Creek Church in Chicago, before he was a pastor of that church, he was a student uh, pastor who led a Bible study for high school students. It was a very popular class. He'd have 150, 175 kids every, every week when he did the class. And uh, he would sit outside, after the class, he would sit outside on the steps of the church. And a lot of the kids just wanted to hang out. And he was, he was obliged at it. So he would let them ask questions and he would just respond to their questions. The church, you know, loved that the, the, he was reaching out to the kids. But he said, they said, Bill, we've got to lock the doors at midnight. And come, come midnight, you, know, you can stay till then, but come midnight, you need to 
break it up, tell the kids they got to go home. So every night, they, they would always be there, their kids that late. One night, it was midnight. There were still 20 or 30 kids hanging around, just wanting to talk, just asking questions. And so Heibel said, uh, guys, this has been great, but, you know, the church has rules. I've got to lock everything down. If you've got questions, you can, you can talk to your parents. Bill Heibel said, I'll never forget the responses they made. They said, if we could talk to our parents, we would. But we can't talk to them. One of them said, I tried to talk to my dad, but he travels all the time, and when he gets home, he's exhausted. All he wants to do is read the paper, drink his beer, and then go to bed. I tried to talk with mom. She works. We've got other kids in the house. She's always tired. I can't talk to her. One kid said, I tried to talk to my parents, but every time I do, they just end up in a fight. One kid said, I tried to talk to my parents, but when I brought up what I wanted to talk about, they said they didn't want to hear that. They got mad. I'm not going to bring it up again. And Bill Hybels, this young pastor, as he listened to all those responses, he said, he just prayed to God. He said, dear God, if you ever bless me with kids, with children of my own, Please, don't make our home life be such that they've got to stand in line for three hours to have somebody to talk with and to listen to them. Help me create such an environment where if my kids have something they need to talk about, that they know they can come and talk to me about anything and that I will listen. Be quick to listen. Because nowadays... We're, uh, we have other distractions that keep us from that. One is that cell phone that a lot of you probably still texting even right now. Pediatrics Journal, medical journal, not too long ago did a study. They observed families in fast food restaurants, and they observed how the adults uh, engaged with the children. Here's what, here's what they discovered. He said that the majority, for the majority of parents, their primary engagement was with the mobile device rather than the child. And here's what else they discovered. That the more engaged they were with their mobile device, the more harshly they spoke to their children when the children wanted to talk to them. How do you rank when it comes to being quick to listen? You'll have far fewer deer in the headlight experiences if you learn to do that. Well, look at the second thing the passage tells us. Be slow to speak. Now, this is not instructing us not to speak, but it is encouraging thoughtful speech. It is encouraging well-thought-out speech. In other words, rather than just blurting out whatever you feel at the moment, rather than just blurting something out before you really think about it, process your words, make sure they're helpful, discern how they will impact others. Be slow to speak. You know, ask yourself, 
if, if I say this, is it going to make the situation better or is it going to make it worse? If I speak this, is it going to make that son or daughter feel encouraged and affirmed or is it going to make them feel belittled and embarrassed? Is this going to be something that helps or something that hurts? See, the problem for a lot of us with communication is not that we do it too less. For some of us, the problem is that we just do it too much. We're just constantly talking, and we don't really give a whole lot of thought to what we say before we speak it. And we do just the opposite of what the Bible is teaching. What we do is we are slow to listen and quick to speak. Researchers have discovered that when we're talking, 60% of the time we're talking about ourselves. They discovered that when you're communicating electronically by texting, when we're talking that way, 80% of what we say is about us. In other words, when we're talking a whole lot, chances are our focus is going to be on us rather than than those around us. Look at Philippians 4.29. It's printed for you there. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful. Now, imagine for just a minute, if we, if we took that to heart, imagine that before we said anything about family members or situations, we ask ourselves those questions. Is it going to be helpful? Is this going to contribute to healing and wholeness? Is this going to make things better? We'd probably end up saying only half of what we ordinarily say. And timing is important. Look at the next part of the, of the passage. When it is needed for building up the community. When it is needed. I want to share an illustration from Gordon McDonald. He's a pastor and an author. He tells us some friends of his who, uh, a couple in their 90s, Paul and Edith Rees. They've been married over 60 years. And he, Gordon McDonald was talking to, to Paul one day, and he said, uh, uh, do y'all ever fight? He says, do we fight? Why, yes, we fight. He said, well, yesterday, Edith and I were in the car, she was driving. Now, keep in mind, these are folks in their 90s, okay? She was driving, and she failed to stop at a stop sign. She scared me half to death. Now, I've loved Edith all these years, and over time, I have learned to say hard things to her, but at the right time. I've got to be careful. You see, when she was a little girl, her father always spoke harshly to her. And today when she hears a male voice speak in anger, even my voice, she gets deeply hurt. Gordon McDonald said, you mean to tell me that after all these years she still remembers his voice? He said, listen, she remembers that voice more now than ever. Gordon says, so how did you handle that situation? He simply said this. I said, Edith, darling, 
after we've had our nap this afternoon, I want to discuss a thought that I have for you. And when the nap was over, I did. I was calm. She was ready to listen, and we solved our little problem. Now listen, timing is important. Are you slow to speak? Do you take the time before you speak to make sure that what comes out of your mouth is even worthy of speaking? How much of the tension and conflict in our homes, how much of the breakdown of communication could be enhanced and enriched, made better, if we were quick to listen, slow to speak? And then thirdly, this admonition from the Scripture, be slow to anger. Anger pretty much makes effective communication almost impossible, if not impossible, extremely difficult. You see, when, when anger is allowed into our relationships, it agitates us. And one of two things is going to happen. Either that anger is going to cause us to yell and scream and shout at one another, and say mean things to one another, or it's going to do just the opposite. It's going to cause us to to shut down, to not involve in any conversation at all, maybe even over extended periods of time. Two different reactions, same root cause, anger. Neither one of them are healthy responses. I heard about a married couple who got involved in a pretty serious quarrel, and uh, it resulted in in them giving each other the silent treatment. In case y'all haven't ever experienced that, the silent treatment is when you're just not talking with one another. Well, it went on for a week. The husband, after a week of the silent treatment, realized that he... He needed his wife's help with something. You see, he was going to be flying to Chicago the next day, and in order to catch his flight, he needed to wake up by 5 o'clock to give him time to get to the airport. As they were getting ready to go to sleep that night, he didn't want to be the first one to break the silence. He wasn't about to do that, so he he got a piece of paper and he wrote a note. And on the note he said, Please wake me up at 5 a.m. He signed it and he put the note over by her bedside. Next morning, he wakes up. His wife's already downstairs getting breakfast ready. He checks the clock. It's 9 o'clock. His flight has long since left. He's about ready to storm downstairs to the, into the kitchen and to demand an apology. But about that time, he looks over on his nightstand and sees a note. The note says, It's 5 o'clock. Wake up. Anger is a surefire way to break down communication. We're not talking or we're talking too much. Listen, 
Some of you this morning are so angry at somebody in your family that you're just yelling and screaming and shouting at them. How do you know? Some of you are so angry at a member of your family, you're not speaking, period. And maybe it's gone on for years. That's what anger does. Go back to Ephesians 4, verse 31. Paul says, Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, that's all fine and good, but I, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm too angry. I'm just too bitter. I can't just, like a flip of a switch, just stop having those feelings toward that other person. And you know what? You're right. So how can we overcome that anger? The answer, again, is found in God's Word. We've been looking at James 19 and 20. James 21 says this, Welcome the Word planted deep inside you, the very Word that is able to save you. You see, anger is not something you overcome. It is something that the word planted deeply in you overcomes when you welcome it. You and I, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, have the word of God planted deep within our heart and our soul. And the way we deal with anger and bitterness and all these other relationship-killing Realities is not to take, tackle them on our own, but to welcome, embrace the word that is planted deep within us that enables us to lay all of that aside and begin relating in a way of, of love and forgiveness and compassion. Let me ask you, is there some anger that's keeping you from effectively communicating in your family today? Your family, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your relationship, we could even extend it to your friends, your church friends or your friends at work, whatever. Those relationships are going to be much, much stronger. If you can find a way to more effectively communicate with one another. You'll have fewer of those deer-in-the-headlight experiences. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. I hear sometimes people say the Bible's too complicated to understand. Can't make it any simpler than that. Let's pray together. Oh God, we know right now that there are some of our homes and our families that are experiencing divisions and conflicts and strife which really 
have no business being there. And some of that is simply due to the fact that we're not as engaged as we need to be in each other's lives. We're not listening enough to one another. We're not sharing with one another. Uh, we're living our own little lives, and occasionally we, our lives might intersect, and we might take an interest in the lives of others, but we're not doing that well enough. And so, Father, I just pray that you'll continue to empower our homes and our families to experience the, the joy and the fullness uh, that, that, that you've designed them to experience. Lord, help us to understand this simple formula for relationship and communication success from your holy word. And this week, as we relate to our husbands, our wives, our friends, our sons, our daughters, our aunts, our uncles, whoever, that as we relate to them, we'll ask ourselves at the end of the day, was I quick to listen? Was I slow to speak? Was I slow to anger? That day and every day is going to go a whole lot better when we learn that simple rule. In the name and spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen.